Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, February the 28th in 2024 on When I Rise. Today we continue year B, the third Sunday in Lent. And on the Wednesday of the week, we usually get to pick an extra passage that comes from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. But during the season of Lent, there's only four. So on these occasions and these weeks, we get to pick one extra passage on our own. And uh, I've kind of made a vow that if I have an open Wednesday that I would work through the book of Revelation. So we go to the next section today, Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Write this to the angel of the church in Pergamum. These are the words of the one who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know where you live, right there where the Satan has his throne. You have clung to my name and have not denied my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed in your midst in the dwelling place of the Satan. But I do have a few things against you. You have some people there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who instructed Balak to cause the children of Israel to stumble, making them to eat idle food and indulge in sexual immorality. So too you have some among you who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So repent. If you don't, I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To anyone who conquers, I will give secret manna and a white stone with a new name written on that stone which nobody knows except the one who receives it. This is the word of God for us. All right, so legend says that uh, Pergamum was an impressive city. It was one that uh, people wanted to go to, and it was one that you could see from miles away. It was kind of built on a high place. Therefore, it had this high and lofty look about it. Um, so whenever Jesus writes to the church in Pergamum, and he makes this reference to the throne of Satan, it's probably got two different meanings. Number, number one, like Pergamum was a place where uh, people expected like greatness, right? Just like a throne with a royalty sitting upon that throne. You expect greatness, but also because of that, uh, there's this great danger for the people of faith there. It's mentioned in this letter that uh, someone in the days of Antipas, um, that there was great persecution and Antipas himself was uh, executed for his faith. And so uh, there's, there's like this trouble that's lurking there. And one of the temptations whenever trouble is lurking around because of a religious a commitment is to maybe relax some of their religious commitment and to try to blend in some more. This is an evergreen issue in the New Testament. Uh, Paul talks about this in the different epicenters of Rome where he's trying to plant churches uh, as they're trying to navigate the murky waters of ethics, particularly when it came to eating food sacrificed to idols and some of the um, civic practices of what it meant to be a Roman citizen. Uh, do we engage in those things? Do we remove ourselves from those things? And so this is where we see John's theology in regards to how do we engage the world around us. He mentions two different names, which are kind of vague. So he mentions Balaam and Balak uh, from uh, 
the Old Testament and the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. Then he mentions the Nicolaitans. And there's a sense where these may have been connected because the the definition of these two words, the you know, of, of Balaam, but also of the Nicolaitans, is to, to consume or to swallow. And so there's like this consumption theme that's going on here. So where, where does consumption and spirituality overlap? So if you remember the story of Balaam and Balak, Balak is an enemy of the people of Israel. He's terrified of the sheer number of them that are parading around the wilderness. And so he hires Balaam, who I guess has this great reputation and resume of putting curses on people uh, to come put a curse on Israel, but he cannot. Every time he tries to, he can't, but he still wants to get paid. So he comes up with a different idea. And he tells uh, Balak that the way to do this is to have Israel forfeit their place as the privileged people of God by being lured into sexual morality, right? So let them um, swallow themselves, more or less. And so uh, this seems to be the parallel here is the church in Pergamum. Yes, in their you know, distant past, they've uh, been faithful even to the point of suffering, even to the point of laying down their life for the cause of Jesus. But maybe in the most of their recent days, they've been consuming and they've been compromising because of it. And so this is the warning that comes from Jesus. He wants them to endure all the way to the end. Once again, this is the theme that we find not just in the letters to the seven churches, but it's the theme throughout the whole book of Revelation, which is to say that there's this great influence infiltrating the Roman Empire. Resist it. Now resist all of their influences so that you can endure all the way to the end. So the very end of this letter is this, this admonition. It's also this great promise. Um, to anyone who conquers, it says, I'll give the secret manna and a white stone. Let's just talk about those things in turn. So if we are already referencing Balaam and Balak in this letter, the reference to manna is something that is rich in its imagery as well. If you can recall, as uh, the people of Israel were navigating through the wilderness, they were hungry and they were asking God for to be able to sustain them. Uh, they had plenty to eat in slavery in Egypt, and there was like this temptation to go back. So God comes through in the midst of all their complaining, and he gives them manna, gives them certain things to follow so they can have enough manna for everyone for all of their journey uh, through the wilderness and so um, this there's a sense where God's going to sustain you don't cave into the consumption of the world around us but lean upon God trust in his provision and God will sustain you all the way through the end and there's this interesting note about the white stone um, this is an ancient invitation to a lawn party in the Greco-Roman world um, if you were invited uh, they didn't have I guess the mail for everyone so instead they would have these stones and if you had this white stone you'd be included in the party. If you didn't have the white stone, you try to knock on the door and show up, you would be denied entry. It's like the VIP list are those who have the stone. And so um, in the sense where Jesus is saying is continue to, to, to continue to endure. And sure, you might not be included in this, you know, the great social gatherings of this, this empire of this culture, but um, at the very end of the age, when uh, there's a great party thrown in Jesus's honor, you're going to have that white stone. You're going to be admitted. You're going to be counted among the people of God. So the evergreen issue here is how do we continue to navigate life as people in real zip codes and times uh, with all the different influences out there? How can we be faithful and still navigate our place as citizens in our world? And so Jesus uh, speaks with an ancient voice to these people. and He says, continue to follow me. Trust in my provision. Trust in my nourishment. 
And it's the same invitation for us. Will you trust Jesus? And then will you endure all the way to the end? So with those things in mind, we'll spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, we confess to you that uh, there is an eagerness within us to know the way of faithfulness, and uh, we fail at times to know uh, what to resist and what to embrace. Uh, We trust in our communities. uh, We trust in those who've walked before us, uh, but the world still changes so fast. And so we just pray that in your great care and comfort for us, that you would shine the light on a path and to navigate our current world today. We pray that uh, you'd allow us to be in the world, but not of the world, because Jesus, we confess that your message is not from this world, but it's certainly for this world. And so wanting to be about the king's business is something that uh, enlightens our mind and path. But we also know that there's many temptations, many things to consume that are unhealthy and that certainly get in our way in progress of being the faithful people of God. And so we call out to you and we think that Jesus, you're able to walk among communities and cultures and you're able to engage people of all, of all types um, from all spectrums of life in the way of faithfulness. And so we just pray for that same posture, for that same imagination today, that we'd be filled with both enthusiasm and courage, but also with discernment to know what is the next faithful step for us as the people of God. Lord, in particular, we pray for our cultural moment that's uh, rife with anger and hostility and divisions. Uh, We just simply pray that you would help us to be uh, the faithful people of God with great courage. And uh, may we be able to point a direction to a new and faithful way for the days to come. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.